It's a new episode of Just for Sport. Jamoke Davis here for the Props Network. Thank you very, very much for those who may be watching on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook. Got a new episode for you, and I, uh, yeah, the playoffs, the NFL playoffs are getting closer and closer, as I talked about on Thursday's show. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Sunday's games change the landscape from week to week. It's that countdown. It's going to be really exciting. And we got a lot to talk about with the NFL uh, that we will get into in today's episode. Also, of course, you know, it's NBA preseason basketball. And of course, you know that I love basketball a lot. And... Today, we're going to look at, because it's only preseason, you know, watch a couple games, got to see John Wall with the Rockets, that was a good game, Uh, Wizards, Nets, another good game, Uh, oh my gosh, Dexter Henry said, love the setup today, let's go Jets, (laughs) let's go Jets, yeah, let's go J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 0-16, I imagine that's what he's saying, Dexter wants them to go 0-16. Uh, We're going to look at player futures. Today I'm going to talk about my prediction for who I think will be the MVP, uh, rookie of the year, and the leading scorer. I think you'll be surprised by who I pick for all three of those today. It's going to be... I've I've thought about who I want to win. As you know, a lot of times, look, yes, I read, and I'm looking at what other people are saying, and I'm looking at the rosters, but in the end... Because you do it too. In the end, it comes down to your gut, right? Your gut and your heart. Those are the two things that you end up betting with. So I feel like you understand where I'm coming from when in the end, even if I give you all the stats in the world and looking at this roster and how they did last season and what you expect in the conference or the division, in the end, it comes down to your gut, Right? Your heart, your favorite team, your favorite player, if they're in the, you know, the conversation for any of these that we're going to talk about, that's what you, you know, that's what you kind of go with. We'll talk about James Harden. You know, he still wants to get traded. We'll get into that. Uh, English Premier League, we have some great matchups on Tuesday and Wednesday. So I have my predictions there. And Devil's Advocate, I can't wait to talk about this. I'm going to be talking about the Cleveland, whatever their new name will be, for Major League Baseball. And in following along with many other teams at the high school level and the college level, and the Washington football team finally did it last year, well, I'm going to talk about my thoughts on if this is the right move for the Indians to change their name. And for other teams. And look at that. I'm already calling the Indians. Uh, and then in, uh, yeah, I got story time. Wayne Gretzky, a rookie car, went for over a million dollars. So what did I do yesterday? As I'm unpacking boxes and going through some of my old and cool stuff, yeah, I found some uh, some playing cards. Yep. So I'm going to go through uh, what I think are some of the best and yeah maybe the worst playing cards that i've ever seen like some of these players like i imagine if they're if I, I should tweet at these players because i know for them in many ways it's like hey if you have any of my cards if you can please send them to me 
because I uh, don't have any of my playing cards. But let's start with how did I do? Bo is here with us, as usual, every week. Uh, we made our predictions on Thursday. Bo, I just want to start out with, for anybody who checked out my Twitter on, I think I tweeted out Sunday morning or Saturday night, I said Max Verstappen would win the Abu Dhabi GP. I told you. I heard I don't I don't follow F1 that closely. All I heard was that it was a pretty um pretty sleepy race. It was. Actually, I said that Lewis Hamilton. I expected that he might win, but when Max Verstappen straight when, off the COVID list. Well, and then then you know, he got the pole position first one this year for Red, for Red Bull. I know it was a big deal for them. They were cheering as I was watching the um the uh prelims before the race on Sunday and how happy he was to get that pole position. So, yeah. So he held on to it. Uh, how else do, how else did we do? It's uh it's it's not it's great. not good. It's I not think, good. I think we might have picked the wrong week to really go in and do this segment in depth. <laughs> then let's not do it in depth. Let's just breeze through it. <laughs> uh, all right, Pats Rams, you had the Pats and the under. Oh my god! Under hit, but the Pats did not. Uh, Vikings Bucks over two there with the Vikings plus six and over fifty one and a half. Dan Bailey really left you out to dry there. Yeah, you had the Giants plus one and a half and the under. The under hit. Um, Giants did not, but I will say you were right on in Washington football team and the Niners. You had Washington plus the points and under forty three and a half. Hey, how about that? I get one. And on your quick hitters, you did the Chiefs, Bills, and the Raiders all the win. Not really in-depth there, but you hit them at the end, and you went two for three there with the Chiefs and the Bills. Yeah, thank you, thank you. It was an interesting weekend, and I'm just going to start, Bo. Thank you very much. The NFC East, did you see this coming from the NFC East? We know we know that this was supposed to be a season that, especially for the Washington football team, this was not going to be a good good season. No one expected this season to be good. And I'm okay with that. You didn't know what you were going to get on offense or defense. You had a new head coach. You had a changing of the team name. It was a situation where... The Giants didn't know what they were going to be with Daniel Jones. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, I don't know how many times the Eagles are going to, well, they finally said, okay, we've had enough, enough of Carson Wentz. Let's give, you know, I don't know. I can't help but say this stupid line. Wentz is so bad, it hurts. It hurts. Until so you get Jalen Hurts. And what do you do? You win a football game. I am going. I just want to say that what I was leading into. I don't know what's happening with the NFC East. Three straight weekends, the Giants win the game they shouldn't over Seattle. The Washington Football Team now have won two games. Some say they probably shouldn't have, beating the Steelers and then the 49ers, both on the road. And the Eagles beating the ten and two Saints yesterday. Jalen Hurts' first game. I'm just amazed. I am pleased. If you're a Washington football team fan, 
you're excited. You're ecstatic that right now the Washington football team are six and seven on the season and sit atop the NFC East by themselves. By themselves, they sit atop the NFC East. And in doing that, I'm looking at their schedule. They play the Seahawks at home. The way that their defensive is playing, Chase Young, just just amazing. He should be rookie of the year. We're going to look at that as a future, actually. Then they play the Panthers at home. So that's potentially two wins, and that will put them at eight and seven. Now, I know the Seahawks one may be a tough one. This is what? The Seahawks' sixth time this season that they're having to travel from west to east, which is not good. And then they play at the Eagles. They literally could end the season nine and seven. My dad texted me this morning. He's like, hey, who knew that the Washington changed their their um, mascot, their moniker. So now they're the Washington football team. So they've cleansed themselves of some negative energy there. They have a beautiful, beautiful story with Alex Smith coming back from that horrific injury and leading this team, leading this team into having what we no one expected is a winning season. Conference winner. I don't expect that the Washington football team, no, they're not going to be the conference winner. But division winner. I was jumping up for joy. I logged on the DraftKings. The Washington football team are minus 305. They're winning the division. Now we need to have is for the Washington football team to end with the winning record. I'm fine with nine and seven. Heck, there were a couple years after Joe Gibbs and the Washington football team won the Super Bowl. And the next year they went eight and eight, nine and seven. I'm okay. I was okay with it back then. I'm okay with it now. I'm okay with it now. But if you look at some of the other tight races, uh, the Vikings, as Bo mentioned, uh, the kicker letting down the Minnesota Vikings, of course, I can't help but because it's Kirk Cousins be like, no, Kirk Cousins let the Vikings down. He couldn't get them in the end zone. I won't keep doing it. I won't do that. I won't keep doing it. But it still doesn't change the fact that when you look at what happened yesterday, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Steve Kornacki did a great job, of course, on uh, Sunday Night Football. I think he's going to be stuck on Sunday Night Football for as long as he's on NBC. But the Buccaneers get a much-needed win over the Vikings. They go to 8-5. and five. The Vikings drop to 6-7. and seven. The Bears are six and seven. They won. You got the Giants at five and eight. The Cardinals at seven and six. They had a much needed win. Much needed win. So I'm looking at these, the futures for the division winners. I like the Washington football team at minus 305. Uh, most likely it's going to be the Rams, but you can get the Seahawks at plus 175. Arizona Cardinals are out, of course. 
the Tampa Bay Bucks. You can get them at plus 1,700 if you think the Saints somehow could possibly have an epic collapse. Which I know that they, they really are like sweating that, look, we've got to get. We've got to do. My thing is, what are you going to do with Taysom Hill? You play the Chiefs. That's another loss in my mind. Then you play the Vikings, and the Vikings will be fighting for their playoff lives. And then you're at the Panthers. So it's a long shot for Tampa Bay to think that they could win the division. But they're only two games out. They're two games out. They play at the Falcons. That could be a win. Play at the Lions. That could be a win. And then versus the Falcons, another win. So they could win out. So I like that number at plus 1,700. It's a gamble. It's a gamble. But Taysom Hill, Drew Brees, he is not. Well, I should do it in like um, Yoda. Taysom Hill, Drew Brees is not. Right? He's not. I think they would have been better off going with a kind of that kind of quarterback by committee. You get a little bit of Taysom Hill. But a taste of Taysom, but you need some Jameis Winston, some Winston wisdom. I'm playing on words here. You needed a little bit of that. So I think the Buccaneers is a good play at plus 1,700. AFC South, you got the Titans at minus 155, and you have the Colts at plus 127. Because I've talked enough about the NFC. Dolphins are only two games back of the Bills, but I think the way the Bills are playing and what they did last night, that pick six really kind of lit them up, electrified the Bills against the Steelers. Although, mind you, the Steelers are playing, what, their third game in 11 days? The injuries on defense, and it's not like injuries where those players may potentially be coming back. They're done for the year and Devin Bush and Bud Dupree. So their defense may continue to struggle. But the Titans and Colts are both at nine and four. The Titans play the Lions at home, then at the Packers, at the Texans. I think they go probably two and one. I think they go two and one there. The Colts. They play versus the Texans at home, then at the Steelers and versus the Jaguars. I think they have the tougher road ahead. So you can probably stick with the Titans at minus 155, but you can take the Colts at plus 127. Now, Steelers, Browns. Steelers, Browns. Steelers are 11 and 2. And the Browns are nine and three, and they play tonight. It's Browns, Ravens tonight. And I think if you want to wait to see what happens in that game, they're playing in Cleveland. I'll get to my predictions later, but. I like that at plus 725 for the Browns. The way the Steelers are trending, yes, they've lost, they've lost two in a row. They have 
the better quarterback, I would argue if by name, but he didn't look at last night in Ben Roethlisberger, you could take that at plus 725. Because tonight that may change. I mean, if you were going into this season and you said, what quarterback am I taking versus Lamar Jackson? If you had Lamar Jackson from what you saw, I'm going to actually say going into the season. So, of course, you would think about how he played last year. And maybe that's not fair, but him versus Baker Mayfield, I feel like you'd probably take Lamar Jackson. I think that's who you would take. But in tonight's game, and you're looking at the standings, the Baltimore Ravens are playing for their playoff life. They're at seven and five. It helped that the Raiders lost yesterday. But they can't take their foot off the gas pedal. You got the Dolphins at eight and three, eight and five, excuse me. So the Ravens, you know, they're looking good to get into the playoffs, but obviously you want that momentum, you want some wins, division game. You want this game. Of course you want this game. You want this game. And I actually think for the Ravens, on paper, I feel like based on their history and their history in Baltimore, you take the Ravens. How could you not take the Ravens? But before I go into the game tonight, I want to look at one thing for the futures. Dexter talked about let's go Jets. I like this future team to go 0-16. Well, now it's probably a given. But you can take the Jets at minus 250. Yes, they're going to go 0-16. Or if you take say no, you can get it at plus 200. And the reason I say that they're going to lose all of their games, they play at the Rams. That's a loss. Browns at home. Browns are going. Browns potentially may be playing for a division title and playoff seeding. And then they play at the Patriots, who lost to the Rams, and so they are also going to be fighting for a wild card. But I also think when you talk about the sweepstakes to get the number one seed, I think you got to look at the Jacksonville Jaguars at 1-12. and 12. The Jets, you can't afford to win a game if you want that number one seed. If you want who everybody says is the best quarterback in the draft. I feel like if you're the Jets, you're just going to lose out, right? Right, Dexter? You want them, let's go Jets. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. 0-16. That's what you want to go, so that you can try your best 
to get the best quarterback in the in college football. Now, I would argue who is the best quarterback in college football? And not based off of who is actually the top quarterbacks in college football. But last night, as I watched Josh Allen play as well as he did, and you think about uh, Lamar Jackson being taken like 37th in that draft, Sam Darnold being taken ahead of Josh Allen. I just look at a Trevor Lawrence. Okay. I hope he does well, and I hope he'll go to Jets. I hope so. But you never know. You never know. And actually, as we talk about what you never know, you never know what's going to happen tonight. As I talk about my Monday Night Football prediction, we got the Baltimore Ravens playing at the Cleveland Browns. The Ravens are favored minus three, as I think they should be. I don't think that people are buying into Cleveland right now. They had one win, one win over what I would say is a perennial playoff team all season. They were now here's the thing. You can easily say, well, let's think about it this way. You have to play the teams on your schedule to make it to the playoffs. So is it fair to look at a team like the Cleveland Browns and say, oh, well, they only beat up on teams with losing records. The Cincinnati Bengals, they beat the Washington football team, the Cowboys, they beat the Colts, they beat the Colts, and they have a winning record, but at the time they didn't. They won, they lost at the Steelers, they won at the Bengals, as I'm looking at their record. They lost to the Raiders, beat the Texans, beat the Eagles, beat Jaguar, beat Tennessee. That was a big game for them. December 6th was the first game that you said, okay, they are playing a playoff perennial, well, not, well, I guess, last three seasons, Tennessee Titans have made the playoffs. But they're playing a team that, yes, they are going to be in the playoffs this year. They are a formidable opponent for Cleveland. They beat them 41-35. They actually were crushing them earlier in the game, and Tennessee came back. So I think when you look at this line, that plus three, you're like, yeah, I don't know about Cleveland. Over, under at 45 and a half. I'm going to take the over. I'm going to take the over for this game. And I take the over because in my mind, I think even if you say, well, their defenses are good, their defenses are good. The Browns are ranked ninth on defense. The Ravens are ranked fourth. 
Their offenses are 30th and 21st, but I think Monday night, bright lights, these teams are going to shine. Baker Mayfield has zero interceptions in five straight games. That's pretty good. This is Cleveland's first season with multiple four-plus game winning streaks. First since 1967. So Cleveland is playing well. The Ravens have lost four of their last six games, which is not good. It's definitely not good going into this one. How could you not pick the Ravens because you feel like they've been there before? That's what you want to say. The Browns are 9-3 and three straight up, 5-7 and seven against the spread. The Ravens are 7-5 and five straight up, 6-5-1 and one against the spread. With the COVID issues that the Ravens have dealt with, you got to put that into, take that into account. They've won eight of their last 10 games against the Cleveland Browns. 10 of 12 on the road against the Browns, if you look at their history. And maybe history doesn't matter. It's not like last season. Even if you go back to last season, it's not like this team is that same Cleveland teams. But I think for if you're looking at Baker Mayfield on the big stage, he had his best game ever against the Tennessee Titans. 334 passing yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. You look at this game and you say, okay, I, I do think that the Ravens have a shot. And maybe they are the better football team. But for my money... I'm taking the Ravens. I'm taking the Ravens to win and cover. That's my pick, Ravens, win and cover. I think the fact that they've been on the stage before, to me, is something that is to be taken into account. Now, if the Browns at plus four and a half on DraftKings at three and a half, but you go to Props Network, you can see the different odds for tonight's game. It's your DraftKings actually is plus three. I think the Ravens are the better team, and I think they're going to show it tonight. And I think that's their, their backs are against the wall. Primetime in Cleveland, I'm taking the Ravens. When we come back, we're going to move to college football and college basketball and look back on the weekend that was in the ACC, LSU, stunning Florida. I didn't see that coming. 
We'll look at an upcoming game in college basketball, number 21 Rutgers at Maryland. When we come back, talking college football Bo knows college football as we bring him on uh, to talk about the games this weekend Bo I was shocked and I think if we look at how did we do I think you had North Carolina and I said Miami would win but I didn't expect to not lose not just lose but lose 62 to 26 did Miami. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, um, so I had, I had North Carolina and the points and I had the over, I don't think I was necessarily expecting Carolina basically to come close to come (laughs) close to covering the over entirely by themselves. I mean, that was, that was something else. I was just, I was shocked. Short, I think it's 67 and a half. I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. 62 to 26. Miami laid an egg in more ways than one. I, I was just surprised. But I also followed that up with, were you more surprised that LSU, who going into the game was, what, three and five on the season and beat Florida? Yeah, I think I think LSU first of all, um, you know, I think they heard everybody kind of um, joshing them a little bit over their decision to self-impose a bull ban, and you know they were getting a lot of stick for that. Being a three and five team, everybody says, you know, oh, you want to self-impose a bull ban now? Great timing, you know, all this yeah. and all that. But they showed up to play in the swamp. I mean. They've struggled defensively all year. They brought in Bo Pelini to replace David Rodna, who went down to Baylor to be their head coach. But they looked really sharp defensively, even without basically all of their starting corners. I mean, we've talked a little bit before earlier in the season um, about how many players have opted out for the Tigers this year. But they've dealt with a lot of injuries and a lot of, you know, just kind of issues here and there. Florida did not have Kyle Pitts, who, in my opinion, is probably the best, you know, non-Trevor Lawrence named college football player in the country, you know, standout stud tight end who's just incredibly dynamic, especially in the red zone where Florida did have some struggles. But, you know, when you look at that game, I think nobody expected it to be that close, and I don't think anybody expected it to end, um, you know, when the shoe came down, so to say, at the end for Florida. (laughs) I mean, that was just a crazy ending and uh, a heck of a kick there by um, the LSU kicker in the fog from like 58 yards. Uh, just really great ending there. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Yes. Go Tigers. I I was just really surprised. Uh, Coastal Carolina. Now you got me looking at Coastal Carolina. They are 11-0, 8-0 in the Sun Belt. Do they, do they deserve? to get an opportunity to play for the national championship. Well, now that Florida's out, I would say yes. You know, it's going to happen. No, because <laughs> you're still going to have, you're still going to have, you're going to have Alabama, obviously. Um, I think now, even if they lose to Florida, that's still pretty much a lock. You're going to have Notre Dame. You're probably going to have Clemson, unless Clemson loses to Notre Dame again. 
Um, and then the fourth team is really the big question right now. Do you give it to an Ohio State uh, after only playing five games? You know, do you give it to a Texas A&M who's kind of been up around the top five for basically the entire season? They beat Florida earlier in the year. Um, or do you give it to a group of five team that's incredibly deserving and has done their job and gone 11-0 throughout the entire season, haven't really had any issues due to COVID, um, you know, had an open week because their opponent dropped out in Liberty. And what they do, they went and scheduled the only other undefeated, you know, group of five team basically brought in BYU and beat them on their home turf as, mm-hmm. you know, significant underdogs. And I think you got to give, you know, Jamie Chadwell a lot of credit. Um, he's going to be getting paid somewhere. Um, maybe Auburn at this point, we'll see. Um, but, you know, he, he deserves a lot of credit for the job he's done with Coastal Carolina. My opinion, I just think that they should be in the playoff. I don't think it's going to happen, but they should be, they should be up there. Um, who knows? Maybe a top seven team like Indiana could sneak in after a little bit of chaos here in championship week too. Yeah. Looking at DraftKings team futures for the NCAA football championship. We got Alabama at minus 143. Clemson at plus 275, Notre Dame at plus 700. Oh, excuse me, I should have said Ohio State at plus 300 first. Notre Dame plus 700, Texas A&M plus 2,000, Florida plus 4,000, Iowa State plus 15,000, Oklahoma plus 20,000, Northwestern plus 25,000, and Cincinnati plus 50,000. The team I like, and I know I'm going against what I said based off of the fact that we know who didn't play in that game, Clemson, Notre Dame. I like Notre Dame at plus 700 as a sleeper. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think the when you look at the odds, first of all, how great is it to have that little bit of a future shopping option available now um, on the site? But also, you know, Alabama at minus 143, you're not losing that much value there. Given how dominant the Tide have looked throughout the season and how just not dominant everybody else in the top five has looked, how vulnerable they've looked at times, I'm still – I don't, you know, want to go with the favorite, but it's hard for me to say that right now I'm, I'm willing to put money on anybody besides Nick Saban and Alabama. I do think Ohio State at plus 300, plus 500 on FanDuel um, is a decent bet if you're looking for something with a little more value. You don't want to go for a little far out like you would with Notre Dame. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting to see the the differences between the two um, two odds, you know, between DraftKings and FanDuel. It's it's a little farther apart in some places. And yeah. I know when we, when we talk Heisman in a little bit, it's even more of a gulf there. And, you know, when you talk about the Heisman, going back to that Florida game, I think that was a really good opportunity for, you know, maybe a sleeper like Kyle Trask to play himself even more into the conversation. He's been up there a lot this season, but I think not only losing that game, but, you know, just not really having that kind of moment despite the opportunity that he had down the stretch there against LSU to kind of take over, make a play and get Florida, keep Florida in the playoff race and kind of get them to a really uh, good win there against LSU. Um, I think that's going to hurt his chances down the line. He's probably out of the running now. Yeah, uh, and and I'm looking forward to, obviously, Clemson-Notre Dame will determine if that pick is good. I just wonder if 
it's best if you can get Notre Dame right now at plus 700, a gamble hoping that they win, and that number will shift, and then you won't have as much value as you could get them now. But let's move on to Heisman Trophy. Going into the season, of course, it was Trevor Lawrence at plus, but now he's at plus 900. Mac yeah, Jones. I mean, I'm, I'm taking that. I'm taking yeah. that. Oh, yeah. They, Mac Jones and Devonta Smith are a formidable pairing there at the top. Um, Mac is plus minus 200 and minus 250 on DraftKings and FanDuel, respectively. Devonta Smith definitely could be, you know, one of the first wide receivers in a couple years um, to get a solid amount of votes. He's plus 200 on DraftKings, plus 500 on FanDuel, like I was talking about, pretty pretty big jump there. But then you go all the way. Trevor Lawrence is the fifth favorite. He's not even in the top four right now. So I think, you know, getting him at a plus 900 or a plus 1800 on FanDuel, I think that's a ton of value right there. I, it's just, it's just amazing. I, you know, one season and really, if you think about it, one game, right? One game really hurt him. Well, a, game, was... a game he didn't even play in. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I, I yep. think that's that's an interesting conundrum for the voters this year is how do you factor that in? I mean, you look at a guy like Justin Fields who hasn't had exactly the, you know, runaway season that I think a lot of people expected him to have in the Big Ten, but he's also only played, you know, what, four or five games at this point? Mm-hmm. So I think that's been a huge knock on him. I mean, he's all the way down to plus 5,000. That's – it's – I mean, what – I understand if you're taking Justin Fields just because I like taking a long shot. You throw a dollar, five bucks, however much you want to bet. You can do that. But I think that if I can remind anybody on here that to say, oh, well, that's crazy. Why would you take that? I just want to tell you a a story here. I'm going to tell you about Someone who it was sent to us on DraftKings, December 10th, 2020, put $50 on combined assortment of his 10 favorites and underdogs to win. Odds were plus 63,480. He had Georgia minus 13 and a half, Iowa plus one. Florida State minus four and a half, Arizona minus 11, North Carolina plus three, Virginia minus two and a half, Army minus seven, Utah plus two and a half, or plus two, excuse me, Memphis plus four and a half, and Louisville minus one. Guess how much much how much money he won off of a, a $50 bet? $31,789.59. Never say never. And that's why we do the show, for your viewing and betting pleasure, by the way. Why not? If you've got money to 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 gamble and you want to gamble, you know, don't just always I in my mind, am I wrong here to say I don't I, I wouldn't want to just bet just to say, oh, I know who the favorite is, right? You want to get a long shot or a parlay. Yeah. I mean, that's that's why you play. So if you can get Justin Fields at plus five thousand, why not? Because if it hits, you're like, wow. Do you bet like that, or you always you, you try to? I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a parlay guy. I'm yeah, a parlay. I like I like a good parlay. That that was they, they don't they don't always like me back, especially not not as big as those ones. But when you when there that's a good feeling, you know, getting that kind of seven leg 
all the way down, green, 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 green. Oh, oh my God. It's sweet. it's sweet. That's just, that's amazing. And I wonder if I could interview that guy, I would be, or that female, whoever it is, I'd be curious to know if it was just like, oh, I'm picking Georgia, picking Iowa. Da, da, da. It just went down the line, or if like you labored over it, like really studied it. I'm sweating it out, yeah. Yes. Hey, I I had Georgia too. I'll put that out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Let's go to college basketball. We've got number twenty-one at Maryland. You got Maryland minus two over under at one thirty-seven. What's your early take on that game? And I would just say for anybody watching on our live stream or listening to us to us on a podcast Bo and i have double connections we both went to pit he is now the sports director at wpts i was a sports director at wpts but we're both from the dmv so we can't help but look at the teams that you know we kind of grew up watching or well, know I about even, and i i'll even say i have even more of a you know intrinsic biases here because my dad went to rutgers so i grew up a rutgers fan and <laughs> umd rejected me you have to despite despite you know kind of rooting on an on an adjacent basis for umd throughout my childhood now it's kind of the other way a lot of times <laughs> umd that's sad that's sad uh the turtle feared you that's what it is yeah. that's what it is the turtle feared you so we got this game i i mean gosh minus two how do you pick a a basketball game at minus two. I mean, to me, this is pretty much a push. You don't, right? I, I don't, I'm not picking either one of these, but I think that if you're looking at a Maryland team, they're no slouch. I mean, that's yeah. why it's so close. I think that you could see Maryland winning this game and very easily knocking the Rutgers Scarlet Knights out of the top 25. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting, um, you know, kind of getting into the start of Big Ten play here for both teams. We got underway yesterday, uh, Sunday, I guess that would be for with Michigan and Penn State and what turned out to be a really competitive game down the stretch there. Um, and I think we're probably going to see something similar down in College Park um, tonight. These are two teams that are going to be competitive in the Big Ten. UMD I think is projected to have a little more of a fall off year. They lost, uh, you know, a couple guys to the NBA. You know, they still have a decent amount of talent there for Mark Turgeon. But, you know, I think this was supposed to be, or last year really was supposed to be a big breakout year for Rutgers and Steve Peichel. Um, it was going to be the first time they made the NCAA tournament in a while. And they bring a lot back. Um, mm -hmm. Right now, the big knock on Rutgers is they don't have um, – Geo Baker, one of their standout guards who hasn't played this season yet due to an ankle injury. He just returned to practice. They're looking to get him back pretty soon. I don't expect him to be a serious contributor at all in this game, but they've still had a pretty successful season so far without him. Um, they're obviously going to need him getting into Big Ten play, but Ron Harper Jr., a name you might recognize. Um, they have, you know, one of their all-star or stud freshmen, really, um, uh, big Chris, Chris Omaroye, 
recruit uh, four star out of New Jersey. He's been fantastic for them down low. Um, I expect a really close game. I'm going to lean towards um, what was the over like 135, 137, 137. I'm I would taking the towards, over. Yeah, I would lean towards the over there. Um, both of these teams, pretty good scoring, decent defense on both sides, but I would definitely lean towards um, the over. And I'm actually going to lean towards Rutgers' money line. They opened at plus 120. They're down to plus 112 now, so it's basically a pick em, but you're still getting a little bit of those positive odds. I think that's better than how to deal with a eight-and-a-half spread, which, you know, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago with Baylor and Illinois. You know, when you get down the – or I think it was the Baylor-Gonzaga game. When you get down the stretch, you know, you're making free throws. Um, you're fouling. It's just hard to – especially in these really close games where, you know, maybe there's, you know, 15 seconds on the clock and a team leads by three, you know, the other team's going to be fouling. They're going to be sending them to the free throw and free throw line. And, you know, you're just not going to want to deal with that spread. Might as well just take the money lines. Um, The other game I'm looking at tonight is another, uh, you know, another really good game. You know, you have Marquette at Creighton. Creighton, mm-hmm. I think they're up to sixth in the country under Greg McDermott out there. Marquette's been a good good team so far. They have a couple solid wins. They beat Wisconsin, um, and they they have another solid win. Um, but Creighton's still favored by seven points, and I actually like them at home. You know, that's something I kind of wanted to touch on with Maryland a little bit is, you know, the Xfinity Center down there in College Park. That's normally a, a pretty solid, you know, home court advantage for the Terps. Yeah, And this year, it's just not going to be there. It's going to be, you know, that cavernous, empty feeling that we're all getting used to at these live sporting events. And, you know, I think that that might affect the Terps a little bit. I don't see that affecting Creighton um, as much. I think Marquette will give them a close game, but I do think that the Blue Jays will pull away down the stretch there. I'm going to take Creighton minus the points, minus seven. And again, I'm taking Rutgers money line as they open their Big Ten season at Maryland. I'll take Creighton to win, cover, and the under. They're three and two against the spread. Marquette Golden Eagles are three and three against the spread. But as you talk about, the thing that I think everyone has to remember, especially if you're especially when you're thinking about betting, not just thinking about, oh, this will be a good game, is the fact that there are no fans. So there is no home court advantage or home field advantage the same way anymore the maryland terrapins they're four and one three and two against the spread rutgers scarlet knights are four and oh one two and one against the spread i'm taking maryland to win and cover um and i'll take the over there i could see the maryland game though ending up on a bad beat uh with uh i wish I'm, i know that if if you're watching espn late at night you see svp scott, scott, scott Oh, yeah. Scott would love to have the Terps on bad beats. Yeah, <laughs> I know that he would, and this may be one of those games. Corey Stills in our chat saying LSU is killing it. Well, they're killing it in two ways. They're playing right now. If you want some action, yes, there's some college basketball action. LSU beating Sam Houston State 45-37, to 37, but I'm sure he's also talking about LSU beating Florida as well. So LSU athletics overall – is killing it. So Corey is quite happy. Um, If you're looking at college basketball overall in uh, team future, so to speak, 
I know it's early to talk about college basketball champion, but as we continue to forge ahead, every sport is just forging ahead no matter what. You can get Gonzaga plus 450, Villanova at plus 700. The team, I like that I feel like no one is going to will pay attention to because of where they are. Is that like Iowa at plus 800? Yeah. The other Luca. Who yeah. knew about this other Luca I mean, out there he, who's from the DMV area, by the way? Yeah. Murray grad. Yes. Um, he, um, who, he, the coach at Murray was um, oh, somebody's son. Um, now, I can't go that deep. You know that Driscoll. more than me. Driscoll. Lefty Driscoll's son, Greg Driscoll. Um, he, uh, he, I mean, he's just absurd. I don't know if you watched any of that Iowa state game. Oh yeah. game late. I mean, he, he was on was, the bench for most of the first half and he just, he just lights he missed, it up the second half. He missed one shot. He was in foul trouble a little bit. He comes back onto the court goes eight for eight, including five for five from three ends up with something close to 30 points. I mean, he is the scoring leader in the entire NCAA averaging close to 30 points a game. It's Luka just Garza. absolutely incredible to watch Luca Garza. Just an absolute machine. And when you look at that Iowa team, right, I mean, we're, we're talking about the Big Ten here, right? It's a deep, deep conference. And Iowa is right now the favorite because mm-hmm. of, you know, you have Wisconsin losing early. You have Illinois losing the other night to Mizzou on – a little bit of an iffy, you know, flagrant call on Kofi Coburn, but we can leave that alone. Um, Iowa is deep. They are deep. They have, you know, Connor McCaffrey, Jordan McCaffrey, the two coaches' sons who are decent contributors, not exactly what you'd expect from a coach's son. You know, they're, you know, they're just walk-ons. They're just right, there. right. Yeah. No, these guys can play. You have Jordan Bohannon, who's, you know, pretty good, a, a great guard who can bring some outside shooting. And then you have, a big man machine with one of the nicest strokes that you'll ever see from the three-point line for a guy of his size. I mean, he will take a nail three three-pointers in a low in a row, come down on the next possession and get you that offensive rebound and put back easy peasy lemon squeezy. He's dominant down low. And if you leave him open from three, he will make you pay. It is just incredible to watch. There's a reason he's the odds on favorite to win the Wooden Award. I think Ayo Dasanmu, one of the guards from Illinois, is the next favorite. He's at like minus 500. Guards is something close to minus 200. Dasanmu's plus 500, sorry. Yeah, he, yeah. There's a reason he is that favored to win the Wooden Award because there's nobody else that has this sort of scoring impact on both ends of the floor that, that Luca Garza has for Iowa. The first thing that comes to mind for me when I see how well – he's playing and having a standout season is how do you slip by everybody to end up at Iowa? I guess he was, I think he was recruited by like Georgetown, Notre Dame, not really any of the blue bloods. Yeah. Um, And so I think it is, I mean, great pickup for Fran McCaffrey to come down to DC and get him out. But I mean, he is just turned in. And I think Iowa really is the perfect example of what could happen to a college basketball team when guys come back. You know, Garza could have left last year to go to the NBA. Probably would have been a late first-round pick, maybe early second round. 
there are some people saying he's still going to be in that same range next year. If he makes it out of the top 15 of the NBA draft, that is a travesty. Yeah. And I'll just say it right now. Whoever gets him, you know, below 10, below 15 is getting an absolute steal. Mm-hmm. I agree with you on that. Uh, we'll see what happens the rest of the college football season, college football and basketball season with Bo as uh, he has great insight as usual. Thanks, Bo. Uh, and speaking of uh, NBA draft, when we come back, we're going to be talking NBA preseason. I'm going to give my prediction for MVP for the NBA season, rookie of the year from this year's NBA draft. And man, they had like a very short window where they're already starting to play uh, real basketball games and who I think will be the leading scorer. But first, you know, we got to talk some Props Network content here. And for anyone watching, I really appreciate you watching or if you're listening to the podcast. Uh, we, we're, we're new. We are growing. We are doing more content, covering more sports for your viewing and betting pleasure. You get just for sport. As I mentioned, what, five episodes ago, I just finished my 50th episode. So I'm new at this game. I'm new at this game. But we also got the walk-on with Joe Walkowski, who gives you something different than I give you, although we're both talking betting and sports, but he's a sports junkie. He's a comedian. He's much funnier than I. He's much funnier. He's a little more laid back. You know, I got the buttoned-up look, so to speak. I'm not wearing it today, but normally I'm wearing a collared shirt. My man, he's he used to be in the bet bunker. Now we're having to self-quarantine. Everybody's staying away. But, you know, he's got his laid-back style. He's got his T-shirt on. Very entertaining. Very entertaining. And he gives you some good picks. And, you know, I hope that you can continue to support us on the Props Network. Uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please make sure you leave a review. We uh, appreciate that as well. And, uh, yeah, we're going to keep doing this for a while. And, and, you know, this is our purpose is not just to entertain and inform you and, and give you some insight into the game but to help you make money right that's what that's what betting is all about you put a little bit on the line let's see if you can get some back so i appreciate the support thank you very much for those that are watching on the live stream we'll continue to do this uh okay we're talking nba preseason and you know, the, the numbers for the NBA champion haven't changed that much. They just haven't. Conference winners are still, you know, pretty much what I expected. Houston Rockets, I don't know what's going to happen. We're going to get into that soon. But what I want to talk about today is the player futures. And if you're looking at the player futures in the NBA, and we're talking about MVP here, right? We're talking about MVP. Luka Doncic is a, is a preseason favorite at plus 400. Are you just looking at they are the most valuable player for that franchise? Are they the most valuable player in the league? You know, we can go back to years and years, decades ago, when everyone would joke about, oh, well, they only gave it to Karl Malone or Hakeem Olajuwon because – they didn't want to give it to Jordan again, or uh, I think Patrick Ewing even won it one year. Maybe I'm wrong there. But that's always been a debate because if I'm looking at the championship winner and the conference winner, right, you're looking at the Lakers. Oh, well, he's the MVP. LeBron James is the MVP. 
Well, guess where LeBron James? You can get him at plus 900. But you got Luka at the top at plus 400. Giannis at plus 450. LeBron James and Anthony Davis are tied at 900. Steph Curry at plus 800. The name I'm looking at is Kevin Durant. That's the player that I like. You can get him at plus 1,200. I know it's a gamble. It's a gamble in many ways because you're sitting here looking at two players who were injured last year in Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. And I see a player in Kevin Durant that's hungry, that's locked in, that wants to show for anyone who said, oh, well, of course, he only won the championship in Golden State because he had Steph Curry and Clay and Draymond Green and yada, yada, yada. So there's no doubt in my mind, and probably it should be in your mind, that Kevin Durant's got something to play for, and he's on a mission. So I like him at MVP at plus 1,200. You can get Jason Tatum at plus 1,600. Kawhi Leonard's all the way down at plus 2,500. You want to talk about a player who's going to be trying his best to prove that, hey, 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 all of the issues that we had last year with Doc Rivers and Paul George and being in the bubble, they're gone. Kawhi Leonard, that's a steal at plus 2,500. Jimmy Butler's plus 3,000. Devin Booker's plus 2,500. He's going to have a phenomenal year. A phenomenal year. He's got a point guard in Chris Paul who's going to help shape that team and turn Devin Booker into what could be a if he, he's already a superstar. But man, oh man, this year, woo, watch out. Watch out. Okay. Rookie of the year. I think the steal for me, Obi Toppin, plus 600 for the Knicks. If you look at that Knicks roster, they've got Ard Barrett. I think that they are a young up-and-coming team that when I see who's going to get shots, who is going to be the top player for the Knicks, Alfred Payton at point guard, Alec Burks at shooting guard, R.J. Barrett followed up by Kevin Knox II, Julius Randle at the power forward, Obi Toppin, as his backup, Nerlens Noel's as a center. I could see a lineup where you put Julius Randle on the court with a Obi Toppin, R.J. Barrett, Alfred Payton, and the Austin Rivers as the, how do I want to say, the veteran, the seasoned veteran who can help lead this team. And you can also put him at the point guard and then throw in an Emmanuel quickly at the shooting guard. But they're a team that is coming off one of their worst seasons ever. 
you don't know where they are going to go. And I think when you have someone like a Obi Toppin, who is maybe the steal of the draft in Obi Toppin, I like him to get rookie of the year. Now, in a tie, I think James Wiseman will also have an opportunity to really be able to shine on a Warriors team in many ways that is going to need him to step up. He's going to flourish in a system under a Steve Kerr who is He's gonna he's gonna get minutes. James Wiseman probably may get minutes more than Obi Toppin. You can get him at plus six hundred, but he's gonna be playing with Steph Curry, Andrew Wiggins, Kelly Oubre, Draymond Green, and James Wiseman. I know you like I know you like the long shots. I like Denny Avita and Tyrese Halliburton at plus fifteen hundred each. Halliburton a little less because he plays for the Kings and he's gonna have that Sacramento bias against him because he. <laughs> Who really cares about what Sacramento's doing? But Denny looks good. Denny looks good in that uh, the preseason game against the Nets last night. So the the thing for me when I thought about that, I did not add Denny because I imagine when the season starts, Bradley Beal, <laughs> he's not going to be getting Urtaz, many and, No, and Russell Westbrook, like you're not getting anything. The reason I feel like, and and in Golden State, you're probably not, and that's why I like Obi Toppin. Because I think for the Knicks, it's like, what do we have to lose? What do we have to lose with the Knicks? But I did have Halliburton as a sleeper at plus 1,500. Also got Patrick Williams with the Bulls. I feel like you got on the Bulls, you've got a lot of players uh, in the Zach Levine, Otto Porter, Nunn. You know, they're going to be trying to get, get there, so to speak. So it may be hard for a Patrick Williams to think that he can get some shots. But, I mean, he was taken fourth. If yeah. nothing else, if you're the front office, you're like, yo, we took this guy fourth. We got to get him his shots. We can't let this guy just end up whittling away on the bench. But I don't know. I mean, Kobe White, Zach Levine, Otto Porter, Laurie Markkinen, and Wendell Carter Jr., I mean, I don't know where he's going to get his shots. That's a tough one, but I like it as a long shot. I like what you're thinking, Bo. I like what you're thinking. I had Tyrese and Patrick. I did not have Denny at plus 1,500. But at the same time, you're right. He's right below Obi Toppin and James Wiseman on DraftKings at plus 1,500, behind both of them at plus 600. So we'll see. Okay. Leading score in the NBA. This was tough for me to kind of decide where I could even go with leading score in the NBA. James Harden is at the top of that list at plus 125. You can get Bradley Beal, who was second, who was second behind James Harden. You can get him at plus 2,000. How do you not take that? How do you not take Bradley Beal at plus 2,000? If, if your concern is, and I think it is because concern, that Russell Westbrook, when Harden was playing with Westbrook, some of his numbers went down. It's going to be interesting to see where Bradley Beal is going to be as the top scorer 
And if his numbers will go down from the 30 points per game he was averaging last year, not in the bubble, but in the season before when it ended in March, February, March, you can get Kevin Durant at plus 2,500. Again, if he's going to get MVP, then how could you not look at him to be the leading scorer in the NBA? I imagine he's going to want to light it up. But if he can be comeback player of the year, which I didn't talk about now, but I'll talk about later, Steph Curry at plus 800. That's who I like. Steph Curry at plus 800. I think coming off of an injury, Golden State having one of their worst seasons ever, Steph Curry's going to be like, hey, don't forget about me. Don't forget about me. He was a former MVP. And I think he's going to want to show that he's back. So I like Steph Curry at plus 800. So there you go. Now, you could also look at Devin Booker, who I said he's going to have a great season at plus 1,100. There's just so many options here of who you can pick. Kawhi Leonard's plus 5,000. I wouldn't take him because I feel like he and Paul George are going to kind of share the ball a little bit more. So I don't like that. But Jason Tatum at plus 5,000, I could see that too. Now, I said at the top about leading scorer, James Harden at plus 125. James Harden, according to Ramona Shelburne in a report on ESPN, he's unmoved, uninterested by the addition of John Wall. And he doesn't want to stay with the Rockets. My thing is I almost feel like it's really unfair to even put John Wall in this conversation. And I say that because James Harden and to that effect, Russell Westbrook, they wanted to be traded well before John Wall was even in the conversation. When Daryl Morey left, when Mike D'Antoni pretty much just said, yeah, I want coach anymore. I'm out. He didn't say, oh, I'm retiring. He was just simply saying, I don't want to coach here anymore. I'm done with this team. That was the beginning of the end of the Houston Rockets. So I think it's unfair to kind of put Wall in that. I don't think in any way it seems to me when I read that headline that he would be unmoved and uninterested by John Wall coming in. I mean, if you see the way the Rockets played already, John Wall's got the ball in his hand. So in some ways, maybe, yes, he would say that, but not because it's John Wall but more because, yeah, I tried this experiment with CP3. Then I tried this experiment with Russell Westbrook. It just doesn't work for me. I need the ball in my hand. Now, the comes. there are two teams that he's saying he wants to go to. Well, you're not going to have the ball in your hand if you go to Brooklyn Nets. Nah, B. Nah, B. Uh-uh. That's not happening. If you are Kevin Durant and you see how surly he is with all of the, the with excuse me, all of the James Harden talk, no, Kyrie Irving, one of them is going to have to go. Kyrie or a Kevin Durant is going to have to go from Brooklyn in order to even bring in James Harden, and that's not happening. So I don't see the trade happening there. And then the other team is Philly. It's like, well, wait a minute. I guess you're going to have to get rid of either Embiid or nothing, really, because if I'm Houston, Joel Embiid is the only guy that I want. 
I don't know if I want a Ben Simmons who can't shoot unless you're changing him to a small forward. I mean, Ben Simmons has a height for that. But again, it's another team that I just don't see that trade happening. Actually, maybe to the Knicks would be the better team. If you can say, give me a Barrett, give me a Obi Toppin. I mean, it seems crazy. Maybe the Bulls. You give me a Zach Levine and an Otto Porter and a Patrick Williams and a Lori Markinen. But I think if I'm James Harden, he's looking to go to a winner. But if I'm the Houston Rockets, it's like, no, I'm going to give send you to the best team that helps our future. P.J. Tucker, he's not showing up either. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for Houston. It really is. Man. I don't feel for one down there. Steven Silas. You know, uh, Steven Jackson called out Kevin, uh, uh, James Harden saying, yo, if you were a real one, you want to play for a black coach, help a brother out. But I guess in many ways, Harden's like, nah, I'm not interested in that either. Not interested in that either. What I am interested in is I switch subjects here is English Premier League. You know, I'm not going to look. Do I watch all the time? I watch Chelsea. Yes. The thing that I consistently forget, and when I worked for the Wizards, I had a nice TV in the office, and somebody would step in and be like, oh, remember, they're playing Tuesday and Wednesday. So it was fun, similar to NBA season, that I always thought of the weekend as like, this is when you watch English Premier League. But no, we've got weekday games. So the first game I'm going to start with is Wolverhampton Wanderers versus Chelsea. That's who we've got. Big game coming up for these two teams. Both teams are near the top of the Premier League. Head to head, Chelsea has nine wins in their last 12 games. Wolves have two wins, one draw. The Wolves have lost two games in a row to Liverpool 4 0 and then Aston Villa, Aston Villa 1 0. Chelsea was playing well, had won three of their last four going into the Everton game, and then they lose to Everton 1 0. Chelsea's in fifth position. Wolverhampton Wanderers have dropped to 13th, but it's still kind of tight near the top in my mind. In my mind. Raul Jimenez for the Wolves is their top goal scorer. So you expect him to play well against the, the Blues. But you can get the Wolves at plus 420, the tie at plus 275, and Chelsea at, at minus 143. I'm going to take the, ooh, I hate to say it. 
I'm going to take the tie at plus 275. I'm going to take a tie at plus 275 in that game. That's my prediction. I know I shouldn't say it right. I really shouldn't. We'll see what, what happens with my man Christian. We'll see if he's a game time decision. If he plays, maybe, maybe, maybe Chelsea wins. But it's minus 143. Minus 143. That game is on Tuesday. That's a Tuesday matchup that you will see. Uh, was it 1 o'clock Eastern time? So I'll be watching that on television. Then the next game on Wednesday that I'll be watching is Liverpool and Tottenham. Actually, I'll, I'll watch, excuse me. I'm going to watch Leicester City, Everton. That game is at 1 o'clock. Let's talk about that one first. Leicester City was the darling when, what was that, four years ago? Bo, do you remember that? Was that four years ago when Leicester City came out of nowhere and they they were like 10,000 to one or something like that? Yeah, uh, I, think, I think it was 2015. 2015. And they've been up and down since then. But they sit in the third position. They're good. Everton's in the seventh position. Leicester City's won two in a row, three of their last five. Everton, as I mentioned, they beat Chelsea 1-0 in their last game, had a draw against Burnley. Uh, they're shaky. They're shaky. Jamie Vardy, of course, is the top player. For Leicester City, Dominic Calvert-Lewin is the top goal scorer for Everton. If I'm looking at this game, as I am looking at this game, at Leicester City at plus 116, the tie at plus 225, Everton at plus 230, I say take Leicester City at plus 116. That's what I'm going with. Leicester City at plus 116. And then the big game. Liverpool versus Tottenham. Now, look, yes, I definitely want to see any Chelsea game. Yes, that's what I want to see. But come on. I mean, who doesn't want to see Tottenham versus Liverpool? Liverpool, they are the reigning champs. They sit 1-2. 1-2 on the season. Both teams are coming off of a draw. Their records are almost identical. Draw, win, draw in their last three. This is the game you want to watch. This game will be on Wednesday at 3 o'clock. Now, it's not on television. If you remember, I on, on family time, I talked to my brothers about how you got to kind of watch the EPL. You got to pay for EPL. Um, subscription to be able to watch these games. I don't understand how this game isn't on television. Maybe it, maybe it will be eventually. But right now, it's not listed to be on television without some kind of special package, I mean. I'm taking 
You can get Liverpool at minus 130 to tie at plus 285. Tottenham at plus 350. I am taking Tottenham at plus 350. That's what I'm taking. I think that game's on NBCSN here in the NBCSN? US. Yeah. Okay. But you're, I mean, you're right on that point. I remember, you know, two weeks ago, we had the North London Derby with Arsenal and Tottenham, and that was buried on Peacock. I think that was hard for a lot of people to watch. Maybe good for Arsenal fans that they didn't have to watch it. <laughs> I just don't like it. It's just weird to me. Thank you for, for helping me out with that one. I just don't like it. But okay. When we come back, we're going to do my devil's advocate. We're going to talk about the Cleveland baseball team dropping that moniker, which I am uh, I'm quite happy about. I feel like it was about time and it took too long. So as I saw the line come across about Cleveland dropping its moniker, it reminded me of something that uh, happened in my life some time ago. I went to my Uncle June's funeral and I walked into the funeral home and realized it was the first time I realized that I am really part Native American, more than I understood. And my mom said, I'm quarter Native American. And it is something that I saw for the first time when I walked into the, the, the funeral home and there was a large section of my relatives I'd never met that all had on Native American headdress. And my family is a part of the Shaktacoke Indians. And when I see Cleveland dropping their name, the Washington football team dropping their name. I even upstairs have an ornament that I can't get myself to throw away because it has been in the family forever. Even when I talk to my mom, it's like, well, wait, this ornament that has the old name of the Washington football team has been to my family probably 20, 30 years. And I used to bring it out every year and put it on the Christmas tree. And it was at my grandmother's tree. And now it's just going to sit in the box. And I hope moving forward that more teams will start to drop their names. And I got a list here. Florida State Seminoles. Kansas City Chiefs. Atlanta Braves. Chicago Blackhawks. It's time. And the reason I say it's time is not just so much because of your name, because I know that when I say this, everyone is going to talk about, well, the Seminole said it's okay at Florida State. You know, Daniel Snyder for years would say, oh, well, we did a poll and the Native Americans we talked to said it's okay. The reason for me is because of the chop. And I used to work for the Braves and I would be in the stadium 
and hear the chant. So you got two things there, the chant and the chop. If you change the name, there is no chant and there is no chop. And that's where I, I think that you need to change it. It's time for teams to realize that because small groups saying yes, and it's okay, if you're looking at the larger picture, it probably isn't okay. There's so many examples I could give you that I'm not gonna go into that you say, because a small faction or a group thinks it's okay, doesn't make it so, doesn't make it right, doesn't give you the reasons to say, okay, well, we can do it because this small group said it's okay. The chant and the chop has to go. And the only way they're gonna go is if you change the name. So Florida State Seminoles, Kansas City Chiefs, Atlanta Braves, Chicago Blackhawks, and any other team on the college and high school level. And high schools seem to have been at the forefront of doing this more often in the past. They got to do it. It's time to do it. It's time to do it. Sports you don't care about. I was looking on Twitter the other day, and I saw it. And I actually need to pull it back up on Twitter because I almost forgot. I forgot to look it up. There was the craziest thing I had seen. And I've been trying to do more research as Ben and I try to figure out what's, what sports you don't care about. Well, Japan has been holding precision walking competitions since 1966. And it's mesmerizing to watch it. Go to atjamoke.com and you can see my tweet about it. But the person who really said it was at Original Yoni, was the one who I saw it on my feed. That is a sport you don't care about, but you kind of do. I mean, last time, last episode, I talked about breakdancing being the Olympics. You got to get this competitive walking competition. It's amazing to watch. I can't believe people do this. They look, um, I'm just amazed. I'm watching it now. It's like, this is... How do they do this? And they, the way that they cross paths is like, you know, intertwined, but they're not looking like to see where they're walking. It's amazing. It's just amazing. Check it out. Check it out. You can see it on my Twitter. So, uh, yeah. Uh, not to uh, be that guy, but I have seen the Texas A&M marching band do basically that exact formation while playing instruments, you know, while doing their halftime show. What? Yeah. Come on, the, the kind of like this level as fast diamond. as they're going? What? To go as fast as they're going. So you're saying that realistically, they do it They do it just as fast. Okay. Yeah, I saw a um, uh, one of the writers at The Athletic, too, was talking about how um, a lot of HBCU bands will be able to do very similar formations, too, while playing Earth, Wind, and Fire. I, I, I like that tweet, too. Okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But I would, I guess in the end, the, the thing that I wanted to say is this should be in the Olympics. I want to see it in the Olympics. And if that means you add a band, you know, I guess, yeah, you're talking about like a, a, a Grambling, Florida A&M band. Yeah, okay, Texas. You said Texas or Texas A&M? A&M. A&M. I'll so take, I'll take that it. in the Olympics over breakdancing any day of the okay. week. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where I, that's the thing is let's push to make this in the Olympics. Want to add instruments? Why not? Because when I saw them talk about breakdancing being the Olympics, I saw a lot of musical um, connections in the 
uh, summary of why they chose breakdancing. Oh, it's a hip hop revolution. It involves your body moving the music. Yeah, because it's music. It's not a sport. It's not a sport. So let's not make it into something it's not. If you want to add something, as I mentioned, let's put this walking competition. I guess you would say that's not a sport either, but to me, it's more of a sport than breakdancing. And then I want to see Formula One. You know, how you see those cars zipping around uh, Japan or wherever they're going to hold the Olympics over the next eight, 16 years. Let's do it. Okay, Wayne Gretzky. All right, my last story time. A rookie card sells for record $1.9 million at an auction. And so I got, all, got out all of my, or some of them, I got more to go. I'm getting out my basketball cards. Um, and I know I'm probably destroying the cards by touching them. Tom Gugliotta, I found a card for him. Chris Jackson, I found a, I guess this is a, it's not a rookie card because he's already in a Chris Jackson uniform. I mean, a Denver Nuggets uniform. But this is 1991. So this is after his rookie year. And before, it was Mahmoud Abdul Raouf. Huh? You like that card. And there's a special section of cards for David Robinson. So I've got a whole series of David Robinson cards here. Um, it's a whole series of the flagship series. So I've got that too. And then they also did what's called a school ties section. This one has Tom Hammonds, John Barry, and Mark Price on it. Why? Because they all went to UNC, North Carolina University. I got a Jason Kidd, a Tim Duncan card. This Tim Duncan card is not his rookie card, but I don't see any stats. This was from 2001, and my apologies, because now I'm like, wait a second, when did he play? But I got a lot of cards here, and I'm going to keep going through them, because my goal is to find the card that I'm like, yeah, I'm putting that up for auction. Anyone who's ever done that before, put their cards up for auction, or understands how they work, I need to know, is it bad that I'm touching them? Should I just have them in a sleeve? But... I digress. Let's see. Anybody who knows, please tweet at me at Jamoke Davis. All right. You know, I got to end the show on trivia here um, or rather sports, sports information. So on this December 14th, happy birthday to my wife. It's her birthday today, December 14th. I have some gifts for her. And no, they aren't uh, just props, 20 uh, promo codes for me to get her gear or sign her up for bet mgm although i think that would be a great gift huh you think not maybe not i got her some gifts okay on this day in 1980 the vikings stunned the browns 28 23 at metropolitan stadium in minneapolis minnesota on a hail mary pass the browns are leading 23 to 9 with just over five minutes remaining with minnesota quarterback tommy kramer completes a seven yard touchdown pass to ted brown cleveland misses the extra point attempt Kramer later fires a 12-yard TD pass to Ahmad Rashad. Of course, you only thought that he was a broadcaster and just followed Michael Jordan around. No, he was a football player. To make the score 23-22, Minnesota takes over with 14 seconds to play and no timeouts. A 23-yard pass play brings the ball to the Cleveland 46. Five seconds remain. When Kramer heaves the ball in desperation, the ball is tipped twice and plops into the left hand of Rashad, who corrals the ball at the one-yard line and backpedals into 
the end zone. It's the greatness that is Ahmad Rashad. All right, that's the end of the show. Thank you very much for anyone who is watching. I really appreciate all of you uh, supporting me, supporting the Props Network, supporting Justice Ford on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. And thank you very much for those of you who will be listening to this as a podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your pod. If it's on Apple, please leave a review. You know what I'm going to say, folks. Ciao for now. <laughs>